BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. It is, what is today, Friday, November 15th. When you're listening to this, Lord knows, the doctor will be the one who decides when it gets dropped. He's the all-powerful being behind the show who's like the spider that spins the web. Not a doctor. Okay. And uh, anyway, uh, so as we always do on bonus time of the Ben Jarowski Show, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce him or herself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hey there, this is Colin Boyle. I'm a senior at Northwestern University. Yes, and everybody out there is going, Colin Boyle, that Colin Boyle. Yes, indeed. If you were a reader of the New York Times on Thursday, November 14th, you know, the Colin is a um, photojournalist at Northwestern, a student journalism, a student of journalism. Are, are you a student of journalism? I'm a student of journalism in Spanish language. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, could do this, we could do this whole interview in Spanish. I'd really rather try. not. <laughs> <laughs> me too, since I don't speak it. Uh, it would really be difficult for me. Uh, anyway, this is a story that I've been particularly obsessed with. And Colin was so nice uh, to uh, come on the show and talk about it. Uh, this is the story that uh, had erupted, I want to say, about a week ago from today, at the start of this week, uh, where all of a sudden Twitter exploded, where it turned out, well, we'll get into the details. I'll, I'll let uh, Colin explain uh, the details of what went down at Northwestern. But old, basically what we had was a situation, as I said the other day, D, harumph, as older journalists, including some of my generation, even younger than me, I mean, a lot of them were younger than me. You're too young to sound the way you guys sound rough. In my day, we did it this way. Anyway, all these old journalists started <laughs> harumphing all of harumph. And uh, something turned into Michael Keller Ditka, you know, uh, the way that football should be played. No helmets. Anyway, I'm sorry, Colin. I didn't mean to go on that riff. But anyway, so uh, this is a story about journalism. It's a story about how journalists go about their business, journalistic ethics. Should journalists reconsider the things that they've been doing forever? I don't know. Maybe every now and then you rethink about what you've been doing. Uh, maybe you can learn something from a kid. No, that's a real radical thought, learning from a child. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's Not take- Not child, 21 years old. That's okay. correct. Well, that is correct. Uh, you can learn from your children, teach your children. All right. Uh, Anyway, so let's just start uh, at the beginning. You're uh, a, but first of all, proud graduate of Lane Tech High School. Let's get that out there. Absolutely. So you're from the city of Chicago. And you went to Northwestern to study journalism? Yes. Were you a journalist uh, at Lane? Did you work for the school newspaper there? Yeah, so I worked for the Lane Warrior my senior year. I also started my freshman year of high school at um, as a photojournalist for sports photography, mainly for a company called Mile Split, where I've now been working for going on my eighth year. And uh, he has a, you can't see this, folks. We're not filming uh, this particular interview, but he's an incredible camera. Uh, so you're either you're, uh, you have, a, you just bought that camera today to fool me, or you really are a photojournalist. <laughs> I believe Ben's exact quote when he saw that camera was, man! <laughs> 
Dean. Both of those. Yeah, I think I did say that. All right, so uh, let's talk about what went down and when it started. It began with a speech at Northwestern by former Attorney General Jeff Sessions, correct? That is correct, yes. All right, take it from there. Yeah, so the Northwestern University College Republicans announced, um, I'd like to say like early to mid-October, that they're inviting Jeff Sessions to come speak on campus um, in, the, in the past uh, these kind of events draw a lot of controversy, especially given the historical context surrounding Jeff Sessions and his um, and everything he's done in his uh, administration, whether it's in the Senate or working with President Trump. Um, and so there was a, expected to be a lot of backlash, a lot of um, controversy around this. And I signed up to take photos for it for the Daily Northwestern, where I used to be photo editor for two years of my time at Northwestern. And now I'm just the washed up senior staff <laughs> photographer. Um, so it, young to be washed up. Go ahead. I feel it. No. Um, so this is something I've been doing for good five years, um, breaking news, photography, protest photography, um, big speaker event photography. So I thought I would be prepared to do this. When I cover events such as this, I try and do live Twitter coverage with images um, that I send from my camera to my phone. So, you know, start a Twitter thread like most journalists do, get photos up of people online to attend the events, uh, protesters organizing outside the event and protesters uh, hurling insults at those entering the building and just keeping this up to date as much as I could. Mm-hmm. So I went into the building. I um, What day was this? Do you remember what day it was? I'm it was Tuesday, uh, November 5th. Got it. Go yeah. ahead. Mm-hmm. So about well, 10 days ago now. And so I went into the building as the event was about to start and made about 20 seconds worth of images of Jeff Sessions as he entered and as he started making his remarks. And I heard something going on out in the hallway or the entranceway, rather, to the building. There's an entrance on the north side and the south side of Lutkin Hall over at Northwestern University. And so I went out there with my camera, and I noticed that students and activists are trying to enter the building from the south entrance, and there were um, Northwestern University police officers physically blocking off these uh, the activists, and the students actually eventually broke into, or broke past the police, and that's when the police started, you know, being um, pretty... You know, strong-handed in their actions. There, I saw students being slammed to the ground. Um, there was a huge, like, just scuffle there for felt like a few minutes. And I just, I was right in the middle of it all. So, you know, I was taking images, doing my job as a photojournalist, and trying to understand what was going on at the at this time. And at, as the dust started began to settle, I noticed that there were at least one, if not two, body cameras knocked off the police officers that were on the ground. So I started switching my camera from just my colleagues, my peers, my classmates being um, shoved by officers, knocked down to the ground to also the, as a journalist, you know, the only other visual representation of what's going on being on the ground. And uh, after reviewing my images, I actually noticed that most officers at that moment were not wearing body cameras until the dust settled. And that's when they started distributing cameras. So you did you actually have uh, photographs of the officers removing their body cameras? Uh, or did you just have photographs of the body cameras? On I the just ground? noticed the body cameras that were on the ground. They might have been knocked off um, the officers during the scuffle. But, you know, that's not part of my expertise. Unfortunately, I don't know the whole background of how an access body camera works. But I did notice that as, you know, the police officers were able to build a human wall um, to stop activists from entering the um, the vestibule of the 
event space, that's when I noticed that officers were starting to distribute the cameras. And these are, again, just uh, to be clear, Northwestern University Security. Yes. So it's NUP. not Aven- uh, Northwestern's in Evanston, but these were not Evanston police. No. Uh, these are Northwestern. Now, were you, was it clearly identified, Colin, that you were there as a photojournalist? Did you have a press pass around your neck? At the Daily Northwestern, we don't have press passes, but I've been working there for four years. I know the administration. I know a lot of the officers, and my, I try and make it pretty clear um, in my conversations um, with people when they ask that I'm there for the Daily Northwestern, I try and be as make my efforts and intentions as a journalist um, as transparent as possible. All right. So it's pretty obvious here that you're a photojournalist yeah. and you're taking pictures of this scene and continue with your story. Yeah. And so from there, I took um, the images, downloaded them to my phone and I tweeted them up in the Twitter thread that I already built saying, you know, uh, student activists um, attempted to enter the building and they were met by police officers and the scuffle ensued, and um, body cameras were knocked onto the ground. And in those images that I shared on Twitter, in that thread, there were images of the student activists being knocked down to the ground by officers. And in the last image, you can um, notice a body camera in the image. And this is where, you know, after the event, this is where I received all the uh, the root of the backlash about my Twitter coverage of the event is the fact that these images have um, clearly identifiable activists in it. Um, in these images, and there also wasn't a heavy presence of the police officers at the time in those images that I had shared. All right, now, um, so tell me, they're, yeah. they're identifiable if you know them. Mm-hmm. Did you put their names? No, I did not. So in other words, they're only identifiable if you actually know the person, correct? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And so that's where a lot of the backlash was rooted. You know, I was, um, people on Twitter took to it to say that I was using this for trauma porn. Um for, you know, just to get people's attention. And um, again, and there was a whole discussion about, you know, me not getting consent to make these images. And that's where the whole, um, this whole conversation kind of was rooted in, right? Where First Amendment, free speech kind of gets kind of murky in today's world of the internet and with images being so easily accessible. So after the event, um, after the Jeff Sessions event actually ended, I went home to edit my photos. And that's when I noticed the backlash on Twitter. And I, call their photo editor at the Daily Northwestern. And I called um, the editor-in-chief and I said, hey, I'm coming in. And um, I've been getting this backlash. And I think we should talk about whether or not I should remove all the images off of Twitter. And I, um, because this is, it's a policy the Daily has had in the past where, you know, if you're covering a controversial situation that we um, have an editorial discussion as to what images we should and should not publish. I see. Now let's just hold off for a second. Yeah. So uh, you were getting, so that in other words, the people whose images were on your Twitter feed mm-hmm. uh, were Northwestern students who knew you. Yeah. Or they saw my coverage because the daily Northwestern was retweeting my thread. I see. And yeah. so that's how they reached out. So mm-hmm. were, were there any people who knew you that like were speaking to you in a personal way? Like, Hey, Colin, knock it yes. off. Take it I, off. I, I got a few personal messages. Yes. All right. Yeah. So, uh, now let me ask you this question and I don't want you to throw any of your professors at Northwestern under the bus. So, uh, you, you've taken journalism courses at Northwestern? Just a few. Yeah. A few. Okay. <laughs> uh, and in, in your entire career as a journalism student at Northwestern, have you ever had a class, uh, in which uh, the teacher, the professor led you through a discussion of the ethics 
of using someone's image uh, without getting their consent. Yeah, we had a class called um, Media Law and Ethics taught by Professor Doppelt. You know, not to name names, but you know, it was a really great class, and that covered the legal aspects of journalism and a little bit about images. And we also talked, we did case studies every week. So one of the studies we had was the Laquan McDonald case here in Chicago. We talked about Hulk Hogan, um, uh, that case uh, a few years back. So that that class was focused on the legalities of First Amendment, freedom of speech, and also how that ties into journalism, but no specific course just on photo ethics. I took intro to photojournalism and that was mostly about composition and, you know, stylistic choices and how to tell um, a story through images. Okay. See, I'm asking for something really specific. Yeah. And so I'm going to rephrase it. A, a legal class uh, taught by a journalism professor where they talk about libel suits, like the Hulk Hogan suit is specifically about protecting yourself against the lawsuit and libel and what you have to do. Mm -hmm. That's a different issue. I'm talking about the ethics of if I, if I say, you know what, I'm just going to take Colin's picture right now and put on my Twitter feed and just use it without asking him about it, without uh, talking to him about who I am, without identifying myself as a photojournalist. Uh, has anybody ever, has, has that, is that this, I, I'm asking this part, Colin, because I've never been to journalism school. I have a confession here. I've been <laughs> doing in this business for 5,000 years and I've never taken one journalism course. So I don't know what is taught in journalism. So I'm, I'm literally asking this question because I don't know the answer. Uh, so do they even discuss it? Has there ever been a discussion about, like, is it ethical to take someone's picture without getting their permission? Is it ethical to go take a quote from somebody without identifying yourself? Has that ever been discussed? Yeah, we always talk about, you know, the, the ethics behind um, our decisions and our editorial choices as journalists. You know, we always talk about how, if we make an image, what kind of story does that tell? And especially if we don't involve the person in the process of it, the kind of power and privilege that that image carries, especially because you didn't um, purvey your decision and why you did that or who you are. So it's a conversation that we're always having in journalism school, but no specific course around. So that. it's the journalists, yes. the kids themselves, the students themselves yeah. have these conversations. And, and it's been brought up in like you know my photojournalist classes, like hey, if you're on the public, if you're on public property, you can make an image of literally anything you want, and that has repercussions. It has you know, um, you know, nuances to it, but. More or less, you know, any image you make, free reign. All right. Yeah. So any, any that's generally the conventional wisdom in journalism. Any uh, image you make, uh, free reign. All right. So let's go back to the events of November fifth. Uh, you've you're at the I think you're at the journalism office. You're with your colleagues yeah. at the Daily Northwestern. You've uh, registered these complaints that have come in on your Twitter feed. What's the conversation that you and the other journalists are having? Yeah. So what I was saying is I was like, hey, I've been getting a lot of you know, backlash on Twitter about my images. Um, I'm willing to take these down if you think that's a good idea. I already drafted a kind of a response statement to put up on Twitter, you know, apologizing because for adding what I was accused of is adding uh, additional trauma to the already very scary, traumatic, tense moments that these student activists are going through, you know, being slammed by police officers, having the presence of a person who um, whose ideologies make students feel threatened in the United States, especially on campus. Um, and I put up a statement saying like, hey, my intention here was not to add any additional trauma here. Um, I'm just as much of a student as you are. My job here as a student journalist and as a journalist as a whole is to inform my communities. And right now my community is the Northwestern student population because I'm working for the Daily Northwestern. And that's why I chose the images that I chose um, because it 
informs my peers. If I was on the other end, like if I was on Twitter and saw photos of my friends being slammed, I would be genuinely concerned as well. But I would want to know, I'd be, I'd want to know what's going on in my community. And that's why I chose the images, not to, you know, just for clicks, not for attention, but to inform those who are paying attention to what's going on. And so that was the decision. Did everybody agree with you on this point? Yeah, I sat down with the photo editor. I sat down with um, the editor in chief. So the photo editor Evan Robinson, amazing guy, and then the photo or the editor in chief Troy Closen, which whose name has been all over the place, and he's been just a rock star in this whole situation. So I sat down with both of them. I was like, "Hey guys, this has happened, um, and if you guys are okay, with this, this is the decision we should. I think we should make um, on my Twitter account." Um, and then, you know, for the story, the actual story that we're running in the Daily Northwestern, use a little bit of, con- have a little bit of conversation of what images we should choose to publish for the story about the protest and the story about Jeff Sessions speaking. All right. By the way, I just should add, uh, just remember this, uh, we reach out, I reached out to Troy as well and uh, he couldn't make it, whatever. He didn't want to come. It doesn't matter. I'm glad you're here, Colin. All right. Uh, but Troy, anytime you want to stop by, feel free. All right. So, uh, you, that was the decision that you reached. Everybody agreed it was the right thing to do. Uh, and what was the response? Um, things kind of died down there um, on Twitter after you know I made that statement. Wait, tell me, did any students say thank you? I, I actually, I was actually reached out to. Yeah, so I've been, I've been making a conscious effort to reach out to activists if, um, if they so choose, or continue this conversation. That's why I've been fielding a lot of these interview requests, is because. It's a conversation that, you know, out of all the Daily Northwestern editorial staff, which we haven't gotten to the editorial yet in this conversation, right. um, a lot of the students there have been fielding a ton of backlash, a lot of hateful messages, and I've been fortunate enough not to be re- on the receiving end of so much of that, so I have a little bit more time to, you know, take this privilege of not being under so much, you know, fire and carry on and have these conversations that I'm able to have about, you know, the power and the privilege that we as journalists have and how we need to navigate this and keep doing our job because journalism now is more important now more than ever. And it's so, you know, all right. I didn't mean, you were on a tangent there. I mean, I I put us on a tangent. So go back to, so it kind of died down. It died down. Yeah. It died down. But at the daily Northwestern, we all had an all staff meeting on Sunday. You know, it was a conversation that Troy and the editorial staff was saying that, Hey, this Sunday we're all, we all need to meet to talk about the last week's coverage to also talk about what we as an institution need to do going forward to make sure that we are um, ethical about our reporting and also compassionate as human beings because we're not just journalists, we're human beings just as much as everyone else that we're reporting on. Um, so we had a great conversation on Sunday and all staff meeting. We broke into groups, talked about, you know, what we were concerned about, what we wish was done differently and what we wish we could do differently. You know, um, how do we contact sources? How do we make sure like, because you could, you have, how do you get a source? How do you get a quote? You got to talk to someone, right? Mm-hmm. But in those efforts, you got to make sure that, your intentions are clear. Like, hey, I'm Colin Boyle. I got your phone number from the Northwestern Directory, for example. That's an issue that a lot of students were upset about because student journalists were reaching out to students without, you know, making it clear how they got their phone number. That feels pretty invasive. Or, you know, only reaching out to marginalized communities when there's an issue or, you know, when things go awry. No, that's that's not how journalism is. And that's, or that's how journalism has been and it's not how it should be. We got to make sure we are elevating voices that you know without without being patronizing without being white saviors we got to elevate voices here that um usually in like the typical news cycle you see just you know only if there's someone hurt if there's you know something going wrong you know we got to make sure we're involving every community in our journalistic process so that's the conversations we were having 
And the editorial staff said, hey, tonight the editorial staff is going to write the editorial. And, you know, flash forward to Monday going into Tuesday, that's when the media world went really picked up. <laughs> Part two. The, so it, the the editorial got out. What was the backlash? What was your response? Um, gosh, I got out of class on Monday after already having read the editorial that morning during my first class. Um, people on campus are already starting to talk about it, and I go on Twitter because you know I'm a um, not I'm not just a student at, at Northwestern, but I'm also a freelance journalist in Chicago. So I've got a lot of colleagues on Twitter that I've been following, and I started seeing a lot of people starting to share the editorial and kind of ripping it apart, ripping apart student journalists for trying to have this conversation. You know, I was formerly a part of the editorial staff for a good two years of my time at Northwestern, and the editorial is also about me. So you know, it's something I'm not super comfortable talking about directly, whether or not I agree or disagree, but my gut reaction is, man, I'm so proud of all of us student journalists and all of us students for starting these conversations and for being brave enough to, you know, delve into these issues that have been going on for so long, I believe, and finally given a platform to have this discussion. So, yeah, going on Twitter, it hurt a lot to see people I look up to kind of ripping us apart, you know, when at the same time you could use this platform, use your position and your power to have these conversations involve and inform because we're students. We're all here learning as much as I, as much as we all try to be professionals, we're still learning. So what was the general reaction of uh, journalists who read that, uh, that editorial? Yeah. Uh, uh, what was, if you could just sort of, sort of summarize the response. Yeah. A lot of uh, backlash for the editorial apologizing for us doing just literal journalism. When a lot of people that were making these statements didn't understand the nuances behind why the daily made this statement you know we have troy Closen, one of the three only people of color editors-in-chief of the daily in the over 135 years of the newspaper's existence um who's has the who's brave enough to start these conversations right you know troy um has been having these conversations since day one at the daily northwestern how do we you know I can't speak to his experience, but, you know, from what I've understood here is how do we make sure we involve everyone in these processes? How do we, you know, not just use marginalized communities for clickbait and how do we make sure we're not having people speak for an entire community? That's one of the things, you know, um, a lot of the reactions were very negative, but also we saw a lot of positive, you know, people saying, hey, use this as a learning moment, use this as a teaching moment. Um, use your power as professional legacy journalists for good and uh, had these conversations and uplift journalists and uplift communities and, you know, make our process a lot more aware. And that's what I've been doing. I've been doing just that, you know, trying to um, take any media requests that I'm able to and have these conversations here, talk about the power and the privilege that we have as journalists. And, you know, again, like I've said, we're, we're not going to not do journalism. I, when I met with one of the activists yesterday, she told me straight up, I'm not telling you not to do your job. I'm telling you to take a lot of things into consideration because, you know, being a white guy with a camera for a publication carries a lot more weight in free speech than being an activist is what I was told is, and this is the sentiment from um, the sentiment from the last week that we've all picked up on and how do we navigate this and still do our job, but make sure we're being compassionate, ethical and engaging and having these conversations and also taking time to listen. What if you have a great image that you just took Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, oh man, that is a perfect picture. It just captures the essence of everything. Uh, and it, and the uh, subject says to you, 
and I don't want you to use it. So what are you going to do that? Because on one hand, you got like, there's a part of you, Colin, that is like, I want to be uh, ethical mm-hmm. and do the right thing and uh, respect people's rights, etc. And there's a part of you that's like a journalistic beast that wants the image, man. Yeah. You know, you're in the game for this. The adrenaline, that's why you're doing this. You know what I'm Not saying? Not just that. Okay, yes. Yes. Um, I sit corrected. But anyway, that's part of it. So what are you going to do? You continue these conversations. You know, I I was asked, like, is, is this my protocol or was this a one-off situation last week? And I said, no, this is my protocol is to always have these conversations as much as I can, you know, try and engage the subjects and the images. Hey, and let them know, like, hey, I'm Colin Blow. I'm here with The Daily. I'm going to, I'm doing my job here. I'm trying to do my best to be responsible and um, respectful. But, you know, these images are for The Daily Northwestern and, you know, just get, like, making my presence transparent enough so that people understand why I'm there and that I'm not there to just manipulate and get that one big shot and bounce out. No. You know, um, every time I make an image that I really enjoy or just an image in general, I try and engage subjects if, you know, if the space allows it. You know, if it's not tumultuous or if I have a moment to just of clarity and calmness, I try and engage. And that's what helps out a lot. And uh, uh, do you think that some of the older journalists who were upset with the editorial, who think the editorial went too far, do you think they were fair in their criticisms? I mean, we all are, you know, through First Amendment for freedom of speech, as we've been talking about here, everyone's guaranteed their own opinion. Um, and, you know, everyone is everyone's takes are just as valid as everyone else's. You know, I may or may not agree with what everyone has to say, but at the same time, we're having these conversations here where we as student journalists are reshaping what journalism is in this, as we enter this new decade and um, <laughs> crazy, right? 2020. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're here to, <laughs> you know, if I, if I wasn't a journalist, I do stand up comedy. Yeah. <laughs> as we enter this new decade, I'm like, Oh yeah, we are. It is a yeah, craziness, right? <laughs> Um, and I'll be all of 22 then, you know, um, we're just, we're trying to have these conversations here and understand the nuances of our coverage. We're trying to understand that not every situation can be, you know, have a blanket reaction, blanket response. We got to engage. We got to be transparent. We got to, you know, be caring. And we also got to keep doing our job because, you know, it, the journalism for my, even my eight years in the field already, and I'm only 21 in my eight years of the field, you know, I've seen such a dramatic shift of how stories are covered, how the media is perceived, especially with today's political climate where we're seen as the enemy of the American people and all that garbage. No, we, we're here to inform. We're here to be, you know, the first take of history, right? Mm. Is the cheesy cliches that you can keep pulling out as much as you want. We're here to tell people what's going on Mm -hmm. and how do we tell people what's going on? We got to know what's going on to tell people what's going on. Fair enough. Now let's flip the switch a little bit. Get your thoughts on this one. Let's hear it. Uh, Let's say you're at a Trump rally. Yeah. And uh, you have a great image of a bunch of Trump supporters uh, looking really mean, nasty Mm -hmm. uh, and hateful. Uh, which has been known to happen at a Trump rally uh, once <laughs> no or comment. twice. Uh, no comment. I like that, man. Uh, so do the same standards hold? Do you feel obligated to ask people for permission? To Absolutely. You? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I was up in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel this summer, I fully photographed Donald Trump's arrival to the airport before he did a little day of you know touring around and um, campaigning. And I... You know, I went up to Trump supporters and asked if I can use their image or if I can take their image. You know, at the uh, at the Jeff Sessions event, 
students that were in attendance of the event came up to me and said, hey, please don't use my image. And as much as that is frustrating on both ends, you know, you got to respect that. You got to take that into consideration. You got to have these conversations be like, hey, okay, I understand. But, you know, this is why I'm here. And if they still are like, no, then you're like, all right. You know, it's like it's just the same as like going off the record in an interview. Explain that distinction. That's a very good point. Explain that. You know, it's what people are comfortable with. And, you know, if if we're talking here and I say this is off the record, you know, you can't use that. And it's what I it's the boundaries that they set at the interviewee sets and that the subject sets. And you got to, like, pick that apart a little bit. You got to, you know, try and have these conversations to still be like, hey, like, this is a public event. Mm-hmm. You know, this is public act. This is public, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm doing my job here as a public servant, as a journalist and making these conversations clear. And, you know, you just got to keep holding that off and keep building up and, you know, trying to make your intentions clear and see, you know, like without pushing, without being patronizing, but you got to, what I'm trying to do going forward here is just trying to, you know, just keep these conversations going. No, and, I, yeah. I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. <clears throat> I've been th- think about this a lot. I've done so many interviews down through the years and sometimes you're doing an interview with somebody and they'll say something and then they'll go, Oh, that was off the record. And there's a, a, (laughs) there's a journalistic instinct. Uh, I know a lot of reporters would say, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you didn't, uh, uh, there's somebody turned into a lawyer. Uh, uh, you did not uh, like sign that verbal waiver at the beginning of the interview and say, that's off the record. You can't like go back in time and do the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, uh, and uh, my attitude has always been cut the guy some slack or cut the woman some slack or, all right, you know, all right, can we figure, or, or you say, can we figure a way you say that? There you go. You that's what, what I'm mean? saying. You have this conversation, yeah. try building it out and picking things apart and be like, you know, that may be off the record, but why, you know, tell me a little bit so I can understand where you're coming from and I can still navigate the story. I can still navigate this conversation, this in- interview, et cetera, and still get my story out there. Still make sure your intentions are heard. And, you know, at the end of the day, we both feel a little bit better because we both understand everyone's intentions a little bit more. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, the, again, this story has been at the New York Times at least twice. Uh, it's been uh, I think all over Chicago, yeah, all over Chicago, Washington Post, right. Associated Press. It's been it's been a it's been a week. Yeah. All right. So, what's your takeaway from the coverage? You're now for the first time in your life, you've been in the role, the position that a lot of these student activists are. You yourself have been the target, if you will. Uh, so what's your what's your reflections on the media now that you've been the subject? You know, my goal here is never to become the story as journalists, that's our last intention, especially for me. But um, through all this uh, media whirlwind, my reflection here is, you know, it's crazy being on the other side and it's like a kind of a cruel taste of our own medicine here as journalists, right? You know, the other day I was, uh, I had a really great interview with the New York Times and I was felt kind of bummed. Like I took to Twitter. I was like, wow, I had a great interview talking about like our power and privileges journalists and trying to navigate that and reflect on that. And all I was quoted is saying like, I was panicked <laughs> about my photos and I was like, man, I'm so pissed. Like how could they do that? Take my 30 minute interview and just squander it to this. And I was like, wait a second. This is why people are mad in the media, right? Like the whole, like, you know, you try saying one thing and out of the entire conversation, only one itsy bitsy piece is chosen. Yeah. So it's a, it's been a lesson. It's been a time for reflection and, you know, making sure media literacy is a conversation we're having here day in and day out, making sure that we engage the people we're working with, the people that we're interviewing. And it's on us 
to start these conversations. It's also on us to listen. It's on us to be compassionate. It's on us to, you know, keep doing our jobs because that's what we're doing. That's yeah. our job to be photojournalists, to be photographers, journalists, reporters, etc. Well, anyway, I appreciate you uh, coming to the show and uh, taking us through the A to Z on this thing. And I'll just say this, as an old geezer in this business, been around for 400 years, I really appreciate uh, the editorial, the sentiments behind it, uh, the, the the acknowledgement that there are uh, our standards, there should be ethical standards that reporters uh, have and uh, adhere to. They can't just steal someone's words and images and pretend as though, well, you're in the open public space. You can't say it, you know, because I, I had this conversation earlier, Colin, with uh, some journalists on the show. Journalists all the time cut deals with the people they cover, people in power. And they'll say, well, this is off the record. And so you will read it. Any newspaper, including these newspapers where all these uh, old geezer journalists were ripping you, <laughs> in the same newspaper, these journalists will be like, uh, a source close to a source said that, that. Dude, why don't you, why are you protecting the well, identity? Because it's all about building relationships with your subjects, right? I mean, come on. Like, we're trying to build, like, <laughs> my correct. Mahler there agrees go. with you. Um, it's, it's exactly what we at the Daily Northwestern at Northwestern as a whole are trying to talk about is, you know, how do we build relationships with our subjects so we're not parachuting in, so we're not just getting our clips and bouncing out. Um, how do we make sure our intentions are clear? How do we, like, oh, like, if you're not comfortable saying that, okay, how do we navigate this as we were just talking about and avoiding the whole a source to a source said this? No. Like, no, what they do in the source yeah. to a source, they're covering the identity of the source. Like half the time I'm reading that, I'm like, mm -mm. and it's ironic, right? Seeing that, and then this happens here at Northwestern, and we get the backlash because we're young and we're accessible, and you know, this is why we're having these conversations. Well, I might say, and this is me speaking, and I am not putting words in Colin's mouth. Colin, okay? Colin, my bad. <laughs> um, I don't know why I think it's Colin. Anyway, uh, Colin Powell. Colin, I'm not putting words in Colin's mouth, but I think this fits into a larger narrative uh, that I think is utterly bogus, and that is has to do with older people, uh, and particularly of conservatives, looking at younger people and mocking them because what they don't want they want to be the ones who identify who they are and you know what their identity is their cultural identity their gender identity what have you this fits into a larger discussion that this younger generation is too sensitive and we should be allowed to insult them god forbid you insult some trump supporter on his or her positions on anything like religion or abortion etc then you're called insensitive do you follow what i'm telling oh, you absolutely yeah. so i think this fits into a very convenient narrative that's going on out there like kids today they don't have the you know they're, they're not they don't respect free speech they were disrespectful to jeff sessions uh and they're too sensitive so i feel this this kind of folds into a larger narrative anyway that's me speaking uh not colin i didn't mean to don't, don't blame him for that once send your angry <laughs> no tweets comment. to me yes no com uh, comment from colin boyle uh colin thank you very much i appreciate you coming in here yeah, and taking pleasure. the time all right always fun to come back the sun times that's colin boyle i'm ben jarofsky take care everybody